Let's open our Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We talked, uh, we talked last time about God's Word, and Alex mentioned it, you know, that we, you know, we're sharing God's Word with our young people. We're, we're looking at God's Word here together as well, but this book that we have, that we, that we hold on to, that's God-breathed, it says. We saw in 2 Peter that, you know, men smoke, smoke. <laughs> I'll get started here. Men spoke from God. Right? As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were smoking, that's for sure. But it was the Holy Spirit that was carrying them along. And, and this book, this revelation that God gave to us, that's, this is what we, we hold on to, what we need. It you know, gives us the answers, tells us where we came from. It tells us where we're going. It tells us how to live the Christian life. It tells us all the things that we need to know. But mainly... And primarily, it tells us the way to eternal life. It said, through Christ Jesus is the way, and there's no other way. So it's, it's the roadmap to heaven. It's the roadmap, roadmap of the Christian life. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, all these things we looked at last time, for training in righteousness, that we would be mature, that we would be equipped. So what do we need to do? We need to read it. This is our part now. Let's take a minute to be practical because, you know, I, we can get up and talk about a lot of things, but unless we really kind of get practical, what does that mean? How does that apply to me? Well, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said you would, you would abide in his word. And again, that's kind of spiritual language. What does that mean? Well, it, practically, to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means in, in our day, in our lives, is to... Maybe set aside, let me give you some practical uh, suggestions here. It's not legalism. You know, you don't have to. We do these things because we want to. So you, take, you set aside maybe 10 minutes a day or more. I, I don't think you can do much in less than 10. You know, if you're doing it in 10 seconds, I think there's something a little bit off here. Right? Read the word 10 seconds done. I think you need to set aside 10 minutes and, and, and set aside that time between you. Find a place between you and God. Find a quiet place, wherever that might be. Find a time that you, you know, maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's at night, maybe it's in the middle of the day on your lunch break, where you take this time, you set aside, you find this place where it's just you and God. Okay? Are you tracking with me so far? What? It's coming. Hold on. And, and so what do you do? Okay, you got this book, and it's, you know, there's 66 books here, you know, thousands of, you know, pages here. So what do you do? Well, what happens is a lot of people, they start in Genesis, you know, and they start reading. And Genesis is pretty easy to read, right? And then you get to Exodus, and Exodus is pretty good, pretty easy to read until you get to about chapter, you know, 17, uh, maybe chapter 20. And it starts getting a little bit tougher, and then you get to Leviticus, and then what happens? You just like, you just crash, boom, boom. That's it, I tried it, it didn't work for me. Well, I want to I encourage you, don't, don't quit, don't give up. But don't start in the Old Testament. Okay, It's okay to start in the New Testament. 
And start in, and I think you can, you can easily read everything that's in the New Testament. You may not understand everything. Now, this is a point I want to make. Just because you don't understand it, don't stop. Don't say, well, I don't understand that, so I'm not going to read anymore. And we do that sometimes, right? No. Keep going. Keep going. Find something you do understand, and God will open your eyes. You see, most, this, is an, this is an eternal word, right? And if you understood it the first time that you read it, everything that, that's in here, you are like a genius. You are like amazing. You're like a spiritual giant. I want to shake your hand. So come on up. Any takers? The first time there? You know, it doesn't happen that way. You know, I, I've been, you know, a believer for 40 years, and, and you know, I'm, I'm still reading, still trying to understand. So many things I'm still trying to get a handle on. And as God opens our hearts and minds to understand, then he, then he begins to, you know, we, we begin to understand more and more. But as we'll see in our, in our study here today in chapter 4, it takes time. It takes a long time. I remember my, my oldest brother received the Lord in... And, uh, you know, he was, he, he had cancer. He had lung cancer. He was very, very ill. But he received the Lord before he knew that he had cancer. But then, he, you know, then it all came out. And, and you know, he, he would read the word. And he said, you know, but I don't understand this. And I don't understand. And I'd say, I'd say to him, it's okay. You just need to understand what you can understand, what God is opening your mind up to understand. Go with that. You understand what I'm saying here? Don't, don't stop, you, okay? And, and, and I also, you know, God forgive me if I say this, it's okay to skim through certain parts. It's okay to skim through Leviticus. It's, it's okay to skim through genealogies because, you're, you're, you know, unless you're you know, going to get into every one of those guys and one of those persons' names and try to figure out where they came from and all the rest of it, how long they lived and all that. People, some people study like that. You know, but it's for the most of us, it's not like that. I want to know how am I going to get through today, right? I want to know how I'm going to get, you know, through that, that job that I have and the person there who's persecuting me or the person who just doesn't like me. And how am I going to make it through? How am I going to pay my bills? You know, how am I going to get rid of this feeling that I have that, you know, uh, life is, you know, a waste of time? You know, these are the kinds of things that we all need to kind of face. And, and God's word has all those answers if we will open it up. If we'll open it up. Turn to the Psalms. Psalms are incredible. The Proverbs. I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. And there's so many exciting stories in the Old Testament you can read and apply to your life. It's incredible. There's some stuff in there that I go like, wow, that, that's like freaking me out. That's heavy. I can't even understand that part, how that all works together. But don't let it stop us, me included, from opening up the book. Okay? Is that practical enough for you? Because, you know, I can get up here and say, oh, you know, read the word, read the word. And you go like, well, okay, what does that mean? Well, this is, I try to make it as simple and practical as possible because this is how we all get started. This is all we, how we, not get started, but not only get started, but how we continue on by making that a part of our daily lives. Day after day, week after week, year after year. Okay, let's move on to, for today, though. Uh, I have a question for you. Why 
And Alex kind of talked about it today. Why did you come here today? Now, I like this because it really isn't the question I'm asking, but I just like the picture. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the existential kind of thing, like, why am I here? You know, why am I alive kind of thing? And that's not what we're going to talk about today, right? If you have that question, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'll, tell you I'll tell you to come up and pray with somebody afterwards, and they'll, they'll help you find the answer. Because that's, that's a valid question, isn't it? Like, why am I even on this earth? Why am I alive at all? And Charlie Brown, he knows the answers, right? But that's not what we're looking at today. This is the question, why are you here today? I wish I, wish I had hair like that guy, right? <laughs> that guy right there, hair. Remember that? I sort of remember what that was like. You know, you find a hair, it's like in your food, and you go like, well, that wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that come from? It wasn't, you were cooking. So why are you here today? Hopefully it's for the right reasons. You know, there, there are times we go to church, we go to fellowship, we go to this uh, congregation, gathering, whatever you want to call it, we go for the wrong reasons. Right? We can go for the wrong reason. You could probably think of some wrong reasons. You know, go, I'm going looking for a, a spouse. I'm going looking for, you know, somebody to, that I can, uh, you know, there are bad reasons. You know, somebody I can scam. But, but, you know, that I think is the exception really than the rule. Alex said, you know, we're glad you're here. And what, you know, this, this idea for, for really for worship, really. Why are we here? Why did you come here? You didn't come here to, to hear from a man. You came here because you wanted some kind of connection with God, right? It's a church, right? Yep. And so you came to have this connection with God, I believe, for most of us. Now, sometimes, you know, our flesh is saying, don't go. You, you, won't, you, know, you don't want to go. But your spirit is saying the flesh is willing, but the spirit, the flesh is, <laughs> the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes your flesh doesn't want to go, but your spirit is saying, you need to go, and you need to kick yourself in the rear and get there. How many times do you say, well, I just don't feel like it today? You know, I told my wife that, and she said, you got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> You've heard that joke before, you know. But we got to show up. we got to show up for these reasons. And so we show up for, for worship, for fellowship, for prayer, but also for God's word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, my feeling is that, you know, we get enough of the world for seven days that we need to get some of the word to help counteract the world, right? That, we, that we've just had bombarded, gotten bombarded with. Let's read verses 1 and 2. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray and we pray again that you would meet us here. We've come here because of you, not just because of people, though we love the people. And we love the fellowship and we love the breaking of bread and the prayer and everything. We, we love your word, Lord, but we, we need you. We need you here today to meet with us. So use your word in our lives, Lord, as we, as we speak about it, as we preach your word today. In Jesus' name.
Paul gives Timothy a very, very serious charge as we, as we see here in verse 1. He makes it so serious. And I want you to help me out today. When I say preach the word, I want you to say preach it, brother. Okay? Can you help me out with that? Can you turn the fans on for us, please? Bottom switch on the right. Because we're going to get worked up here. Open up that box, bottom right corner. There you go. So when I say, preach the word, what do you say? Preach the word. Just preach it, brother. Don't say my line. Okay. Let's try one more time. Preach the word. Preach it, brother. There you go. We're going to really have some fun today. I just, I can feel it. Look how serious it is. You know, we, we've got to counteract how serious things are by, by how we deal with each other here today. But look how serious this charge that he gives Timothy. Now, we just talked about how God's scripture, the word, is God-breathed and, and, and it's useful for all these things. But then he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus... The Father and the Son, that they're here in, the, in His presence, in, in the presence of the Father and the Son, He says, preach the Word. Preach. Preach. You guys are quick. <laughs> look, look what else He says, though. Who will judge the living and the dead? Who will judge the living and the dead? This is just getting more and more serious. One serious thing on top of another serious thing about how important this thing is that we're all going to stand before God one day and especially those that stand up in front of people in a church or, or some kind of leadership in the church, those who lead in the church, we're going to stand one day and we're going to give account to this charge. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you see how serious it is he's talking about? He says, preach the word. Preach the word. In view of his appearing, he says, Jesus is returning, so preach the word. And, and his kingdom, his kingdom, that he's the king. Can you see how important this is? You say, why are you making such a big deal about this? Because he made such a big deal out of it, and it's his word that we're looking at here. It's the word of God that was God breathed. Paul was inspired to write these words, and he's saying how serious it is that we need to preach the word. Right? Are you with me so far? So far, so good. You know, there are so many other things in the ministry. There are so many distractions, so many things that, that uh, uh, pastors and leaders in the church can do. There's lots of stuff, and it's not all bad, right? It's good stuff, right? To go visit someone who's in the hospital, and Barbara's still in the hospital, but she's due to come home soon, right? And and be praying for her, if you would. She's getting better and better every day, I think. You know, you can go and, and, uh, and golf. No, no, that's not what you can do. You can do... <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. Let me just make one point here. I do not golf, okay? I have a hat that says golf club on it, but that's about it. So my dad gave it to me. There's lots of other distractions, you know. There's lots of other things we can get involved in and, and sidetracked on. But, but he says, listen, this is so, so serious, Timothy. Preach the word. So let's break it down and, and, and make it uh, 
clear. First of all, this word preach, it, it, it's this, to be a herald, right? That's what the word means, to, to proclaim. Now, you say, is there a difference between preaching and teaching? Well, you know, when you read about Jesus' life and ministry, he did both. He was, it says, you can read about it in the Gospel of Matthew, he, was, he went about preaching and teaching and healing. He did all these different things. And, 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 but here he's telling Timothy, this is something you need to proclaim. Teaching is more of like a, you know, uh, like you would get in a school, like a textbook kind of thing, and, and we need that too. We need to be strengthened and taught. But, but there's something about giving a message too. There's something about proclaiming the truth of God's word that he's talking about here. Now, I want to clear this up. It doesn't mean screaming. Okay? It doesn't mean shouting. It doesn't mean pointing the finger. It doesn't mean getting some weird, strange voice. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. If you listen to the radio, sometimes you hear these guys and they, at the end of every phrase, it's a, uh. And I want to tell you, brothers, uh, that there's a, there's a scripture that talks about uh. And at the end of every word, I'm going like, uh. I'm going to try that. That's very effective. Uh. You know, when you did speech class, you know, they told you, you, sh you, shouldn't, you shouldn't say, uh, or you shouldn't say, um. You know, we have these, these habits, and, you know. So it's not that. It's not getting all worked up and running down the aisle. <laughs> Some of you thought I was going to do it, huh? For sure. Just run around this sanctuary. But then I'd get so out of breath, I couldn't even say anything. So what is it? It's not beating the sheep with the Bible. It's proclaiming, it's declaring the truths of this word in a way that reaches the heart and the mind. Right? It's in a way that, that, that like you can listen to, you can hear, and, and I don't think we should be boring by any means. And I know I've been boring. Uh, you know, you can't always be on fire, right? And I've been boring, and, and I know that I've been to places, and, you know, we can't, we have to do our best, though, to preach this word, to give this word that reaches the heart and the mind, both. You know, we, like, like Jesus talked about, you know, you worship in spirit and in truth. You know, we don't just preach to get you all worked up in some kind of emotional state. But we, we the truth also has that, that, you know, component that, is, is for our minds, and we understand it, right? And as we understand it, as it gets into our hearts and stirs us up, you see, it's a, it's a whole package, I think. Preach the word. <laughs> I got you there, didn't I? You know, but it's not just preaching, is it? There are a lot of places you can go, there's, there's preaching going on, Right? A lot of preaching going on, but not a lot of the Word going on, yeah. right? So we're called here to preach the Word, not just preach, not just go insane, to stick to the Bible, to stick to this God-breathed Scripture, the Bible, the Word. Now, does this sound old-fashioned to you? Probably. But you know what? This is the way it's been set up since the beginning of the church, really, to, that, that, that God's Word, and, and, and Paul said it back then, almost 2,000 years ago or so. 
And it hasn't changed today. It's still the same. This is still what we're called to do. We might use different techniques, right? We might use, you know, PowerPoint. I don't think they had PowerPoint back in Paul's day or Timothy's day. Did they? Gabe, what do you think? No? What'd they have? Maybe they had a big rock up there and they just scribbled on the rock or something. You know, it's maybe old-fashioned, but it's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. It's what the Bible tells us to do. Preach the Word. But not as a textbook. And, and you can get you know, classes and different things where you can look at the Scripture as a textbook, perhaps. And that's, you know, for certain kinds of studies, that's okay. But this is a life book, right? This is a life book that, that, that the, 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 the subject matter one person wrote is infinitely important. What we're talking about here is life and death stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't just some kind of recipe book, right? It isn't just some kind of fictional story. This is life and death stuff that, that hey, if, if, if you're not convinced about it, you probably shouldn't be talking about it, right? Now, is it just a, is it just you know, the people who speak, it's just them that get all worked up and, and riled up and, and they make it happen? I don't think so. This is what Paul said. Look what Paul said here. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. See that? If you, you, you know, if you're just doing it in your own strength, if you're just doing it, you know, with your own power, you know, as soon as you leave, these people are done. They don't have anything to hold on to. But if it's, if, if it's inspired by the Spirit of God, if it's empowered by the Spirit of God, so that their trust is always, always, always pointing back to God. It's always pointing to him, not pointing to the man, not pointing to the ministry, not pointing to the people, but pointing to him. It's always got to go that direction. I, I just want to point to you. That's why I love, I love what John the Baptist said, right? What did he say? He said a lot of stuff, yeah, but what I'm talking about was when he said, you know what? He must increase, but I must decrease. He becomes greater, I become less. That's what he's talking about. That's the call of the pastor, right? The call of the under-shepherd. To preach the word. We're getting weak here now. He goes on, right? He goes on and he talks about uh, to be prepared. Look at that in... in uh, the second part of verse 2, he says, be prepared in season and out of season. You got to be prepared. You don't just get up. And I've heard people say this, you know, I, I don't really study. I don't really take any time to prepare. I just get up there and, and I, you know, they, they would quote that last scripture we looked at. You know, I just let the spirit, you know, move me and then I'm going to, whoa. I, I think there's got to be more than that, right? I think, I think there's a place for study. There's a place for getting into the Word and, and, and reading it and reading what other people have written about and listening to other people to be ready, to be in season and out of season, 
To help people understand, you have to understand it yourself. Now, people who do that kind of thing that I just described, you know, usually there, there are one or two or three different subjects that they talk about, and that's all they ever talk about. Well, they know those, subject, those three subjects, but, you know, they're not going to take you very far. In the book of uh, Nehemiah, it says that the Levites, it says they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. That's what we're called to do. Help you to understand it. If, if, if you walk away from here and go, well, I didn't understand anything about what he just talked about, then I have failed. Really. I haven't, I haven't got through. I haven't. Now, now, maybe you're just not in a place to understand, a place to, to, uh, to comprehend maybe, but, but I think that every one of us ha you know, can latch on to something. Every one of us can be looking and listening for something that God might open your heart to. You're not going to understand every single point, every single facet. Again, we're not infinite. We're finite beings, finite creatures. But he says to be prepared. In season and out of season. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. He says to, to correct. What does that mean? It means to bring the message to bear in, in our lives, where we need it. We need correction sometimes. He says to rebuke. Again, we talked about this last time, that sometimes the hard word is needed, right? Sometimes we don't want to hear, but, but we need to hear. And then he says encouragement. Encourage, re correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now, we all like that one, I know. You know, but that's not the only thing. And there are places, and I'm going to talk more about this next time, there are places that that is all they will do. Now, that's a good thing. And we all need encouragement. Do you need encouragement? We all need encouragement, but there's also, that's not, that's not the whole picture, right? There are times when we need more than that. I know there are times in my life when I need way more than that. You can just encourage somebody and, you know, they're going to say, okay, yeah, thanks for the encouragement, but, you know, you never got to the heart of what it is that I'm dealing with. The old saying, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Right? You heard that before? Afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. It's like we need both. We need all happening here. So if you're comfortable right now, I'm going to afflict you. <laughs> and if you're afflicted, I'm going to try to comfort you. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, he says, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God, or some translations, the whole counsel of God. I, I, I try to give you the whole counsel. And if, if we just try to limit ourselves to one little facet, one little thing, one little type of message and 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 places do that, you know what, we water down the word. We, we try to make it more palatable, more able for everybody just to love it. Why is that? We do that because we want to be loved. I don't want to say mean things, uh, difficult things, because you're going to make a mean face at me. Preach the word. Preach it, brother. There you go. We're going to talk about that next time. But he says here that that we need to do these things to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience, with careful instruction. 
takes time. I said that earlier. You know, we're in it, in it for the long haul. You know, I'm not in any race to get through every book or every verse of this Bible, you know, but I'm just going to keep going. I, you know, my calling is just to keep going, keep teaching, keep preaching, keep bringing forth what the Word says to the best of my ability, asking God to help me to do what I, what I feel like He's called me to do. Week after week, you preach the Word, and then you come back next week, and you preach it again, right? And, and you might have a great week, and the, 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 you have this awesome week, and then you come, you know, then you got to come back and do it again. And how can you match what happened last week, right? Because it was so powerful. It was so exciting. You know, just the Spirit of God was doing something in our midst kind of thing. And we, we have weeks like that, don't we? I'm not going to presume here. So all I'm trying to say here is that, is that this is what we're going to focus on. And if you've come here, I, I, I pray that God would open your heart to the Word and, and, and He would challenge you and get inside of you and, and work in those areas and those places in your heart and life. But we're going to keep doing this because that's what He's saying here. Keep preaching the Word. Don't just do it once. I said preaching. But I want to say one thing before we finish this thought is that it's, it goes both ways, though, doesn't it? I have a serious responsibility. It's serious. And anybody who would get up and, and teach, and James talks about it in chapter 3, there's going to be a, a greater accountability. We're going to have to give account of the words that we speak. But it goes both ways, too. You don't just come here to watch some kind of show or something. Again, why are you here? To come to hear from God. And there's a responsibility for all of us as we're listeners. And when I go to other churches, I sit and listen, I, and I try, to, try to, to listen. I try to hear. Sometimes difficult to do because you're, you're thinking about, oh, and when, when you play music or when you speak, then you think, well, oh, I, I, you know, if they did it like this or if they did it like that and get critical and start thinking about these things, put that aside. I just want to hear. I just want to hear. So the responsibility to hear the word, to receive the word, to be learning, to be listening for God's voice, that's really what we need to do. You all know the parable of the sower, right? Or most of you know the parable of the sower. The, 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 the farmer, he went, the sower went out to sow the seed. And he, he tells us, Jesus explains, the sower is the word. But then there, and some people describe this as the parable of the soils, really, because it's not so much about the sower, it's about the different soils. And some soils were more ready to receive the word and to grow and bear fruit than others were. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the seed sown among the rocks or the seed sown on the hard path or the seed sown among the thorns, right? I want to be the one in the good soil where that word gets in and, and brings forth fruit. Goes both ways, right? So why are you here? I know why I'm here. To preach the word. Preach it, brother. There you go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, He said, Man, it is written... He's quoting the Old Testament scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
It's not just the, the bread that we share and the bread that we eat at home. It's, it's by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what's going to get us through. And I believe that. That's why we open this book every week, week after week. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because we're going to have communion right now. And we want to read what the scripture says. Why do we do this? Again, the Bible tells us, the Bible explains so many things for us, why we do what we do. We don't just do it because some man made it up. We do it because God's word directs us and shows us the way. So we're going to have communion together. But let's read these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You could start earlier, but let's, let's, let's pick it up in verse 23 as we transition here into communion. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Is that powerful? That's why we do that. We do it on a regular basis. We do it every five weeks. You say, why do you do it every five weeks? We do it every five weeks because of the rotation of our, our, our youth church workers so that they can always be here for every other one. Because some of them are in there every other week, right? And if you did it, if you did it on the even weeks, you mathematicians are following me right now. <laughs> if you did it only on the even weeks, they would, some of them would never have a chance to have communion with us. So that's why we do it every five weeks. points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. So whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever it's going on in my life, we need to get back to the cross. And that's why we do this over and over and over again, because we need to come back to the cross again and again and again. He says, whenever you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He is going to return. He talked about that in 2 Timothy, didn't he? We read it there. His appearing, his return, he's going to come back. But he died for us. I read in the Gospel of John, you know, that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. He wasn't talking about just worship, though that's a part of it. He's talking about being put up on the cross. That he would die for our sins. That he would pay the price for my sin, for your sin. That as we trust in him, that we, are, we have a way to heaven. We have a way to heaven. I, I didn't know how I was going to work this in, but I think I'll work it in here. I, we took Anthony and Irene to the airport, right? Tuesday night. And... Uh, you know, first the cousins had to all say goodbye, and you know that was like horrible. You know, watching their faces and they're looking, at, they're staring at each other, and like, oh man, let's get out of here, right? So then we get up there and we we had a nice meal there, just us and the and them, and and uh, and then you know then we had to all say goodbye, right? And then they're going through security and they're waving to us and they're doing this, right? And we're doing this. We're raising our hand really high so they can see us when they get 
far back there. I'm just trying, I'm pulling on your sympathy strings right now. That's what I'm doing. I don't want to talk about it too much because I will start to cry. But so we took them to the airport and finally they got through security and then they found out that the plane was delayed and it was like five hours, but we, we had to go home. We already had dinner. We had to go home. It was getting late already. So if you've ever driven to the airport in Boston and coming back from Boston, there is an HOV lane, right? High occupancy vehicle lane. And it was about 8 o'clock and I think the thing must have just closed. But I saw a car in a little section. There's, a, there's an earlier little section. And I saw a car in there. And then when you got to the big section, I said, and the sign was still lit up. So I said, okay, I'm going to take the HOV lane. So I got in that lane. And then there was this like tow truck thing, lights flashing, just stopping the way. And I go like, oh, no. What am I going to do now? So there were some cones right here, you know, those plastic cones. And there was a space sort of big enough <laughs> that I could get out. But, you know, we kind of pulled up to that space, and we're looking at these cars just whipping by us. And, and it was on a curve, too, so you couldn't see very far back. And I'm going like, oh, no. And my wife says, we're going to be sleeping here. <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, yeah. You know, it's better to be sleeping than dead, right? So, so I'm going, this is going to be a long time before the traffic dies down, but, you know, there's no way I can get out, no way whatsoever. But then this guy with the big flashing lights, he moved his vehicle to, that would, like, go down this HOV lane. It was still there. They hadn't, because if you know that thing, they zipper that thing up, and it closes, but it was still there. And, and then he kind of signaled, you know, come up here. So he went up to him and, and uh, he said, you know, he didn't tell us to go down the, the HOV lane. He says, but there is a, there is a chute right here. Wow. And, and I saw it. It was just to the right of the HOV lane. It was this little chute that if you go that way, you can get out safely and you're going you're gonna to survive. <laughs> so I said, thank you. I'm sorry. And goodbye. And punched it. And we got out into the traffic, you know. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the shoot. Jesus is the answer. The cross is the only way for you and I. If we try to get out there ourselves, if we try to make it into heaven ourselves, it's definite, definite death and destruction. If I, I had no doubt whatsoever, if I took that little path out, I'm done. There's no way. I'm done. But this guy, he said, you know what? This is the way right over here. Go out that way. And I'm telling you, this is the way here. It's the cross. It's the only way. There's no other path. There's no other way. There's no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other path, no other way. I don't care what anybody says. This is what the Bible declares. So we proclaim his death until he comes. He died for us. He gave his body. He gave his blood. We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing. And, and uh, you know, during this song, uh, maybe you can sing along with us. And it's a new, newer communion song we started. And then, and then at some point, uh, you can go back to the table and get your, your bread and your cup. And you can just 
speak to the Lord. The song is called Jesus Be My Savior, and we also sing Jesus, You're My Savior. But you get to that place where you know He's your Savior. And you just offer yourself to Him with this, this bread and this cup. Jesus, You're my Savior. Be my Savior. So you do that. I'm going to let you do that at your own pace, right? But we're just going to sing. We're going to, we're going to pray first, and then we're going to sing. And, and then when you feel comfortable, you go get it, and you take it at your own pace. I say that because I was at another church and we did this, this thing and, and they were all waiting for me at the end. I said, no, no, no. You do it whenever you feel you're ready for that. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word declares that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he came and that he gave his life for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. That he suffered, that he was put to death for us, and he died the death that I should die, and that he was buried and that he rose from the dead, conquering once and for all that death and for all who would trust in him, that even though we die, we'd live because he is the resurrection and the life. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your word. And, and we, we, we pray right now as we, as we take a few moments just to be quiet before you and, and to, to contemplate the cross that what do we have? We have nothing. But you gave us everything. So we give ourselves back to you because of what you did, what you did on the cross. I pray, too, before we, before we partake, Lord, if maybe there's someone here who's never surrendered, never, ever asked you, Jesus, to be their Savior, they can do that now, even as we sing, even as we pray right now. Say, Jesus, be my Savior. Many who sing, Jesus, you are my Savior, have already made that decision. We walk together down this path. The narrow path together. You're a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen.